Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 25. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm really excited today to share with you an interview that I did with Ariadne Brill. For those of you that um, have been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that she was someone who I interviewed really early on. I think she might have been my second guest that I interviewed on the podcast. She's amazing. She runs the Positive Parenting Connection site online and Facebook page, which has like a bazillion fans because it's so incredible. And she writes a blog and and tons of articles and she's a mama to three kids. She is just a phenomenal human being who is really on a mission to support and encourage and love parents on their journey. So today what we're going to talk about is babies and specifically around attachment and what attachment means. You know, attachment gets thrown around a lot. I know that when I had small babies, I was really into Dr. Sears and learned about attachment parenting through him and um, yeah, and have developed over time and uh, ever more ever deeper understanding about what attachment really means, um, especially as I work with teachers and caregivers around working with kids exposed to trauma and insecure attachment. So Ariadne and I are going to talk about attachment, and I'm really excited, and I think that even those of you whose kids aren't necessarily babies anymore will still get a lot out of the conversation. So give it a listen, and if you have friends or family that you think, hey, you know what, this would be really useful information, please share the podcast, share the love, spread it around, because the more people that listen the better it is for all of us, right? Making the world a better place. 
um, through sharing our understanding and our learning with the people that we love. So without further ado, let's talk to Ariadne. Hey there, Ariadne. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited after our conversation in the second episode of the podcast to have you back on here um, and to talk about raising babies. It's such a special time for parents, right? And we all get to go through that first year and you know, there's the pieces that we're ready for and expecting, and then there's everything else, right? So what lights you up about talking to parents about babies? Yeah, um, so having a baby really changes everything. It really does. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the first baby, second, third, every time a baby is entering into, you know, a family or into the, the parent's life things are just going to change. Maybe it's a temporary change, but there's definitely change. And so there's a lot of potential for goodness and happiness and joy, but there's also so much room for doubt and all these challenging moments. And so it, it lights me up to be able to talk to parents about raising babies because there's so much benefit from having some trusted support. I really find that in my work, the more support and encouragement and education that parents have, the better outcomes they're going to be for the, for the whole family. So I, I work on a weekly basis with, with parents that have like brand new babies, and I get to follow them through the first year. And it's truly a privilege because there's so much that comes with welcoming that baby into the world and then sorting everything out. Um, right. <laughs> So do you, what do you do on a weekly basis? Is it um, like a parent group or tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I work with this really lovely association where we have an, an open door every Monday morning where parents can come, um, moms, dads, uh, sometimes grandmothers come, aunts, and this Monday morning group has a particular focus on new families, like families that have just welcomed a baby into their life. Um, mm. And it's just so beautiful because there's, there's really a lot to sort out. There's, there's a lot of advice and um, there's, there's a lot that goes into that, that caring for the baby. And it, it goes beyond just, you know, the, the feeding and the, the which kind of diaper to choose. There's, there's a lot of room for finding the support and the encouragement to get through so that everybody is doing well. Like our focus is not to tell parents what they should be doing, but help them voice what what areas they need support and encouragement and what education do the, do they really need so that their baby can thrive but more so so that they as parents can feel like they are doing well too oh what a great service that's so great and because there's the obvious stuff right like you spend nine months being pregnant and fantasizing and imagining what life's going to be like when this baby comes. And like you said, picking out the right diapers. There's the, you know, for us, there was a conversation like disposable or, you know, or cloth. What are we going to do? Or do we buy a crib? Are we going to co-sleep? There was all those questions, you know. And then it's funny because <laughs> baby comes and like those are the least, some of the least important things to have thought about. And, you know, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I have to keep a human being alive. 
Yes. I, you know, and it's like way bigger than just like, do I go sleep or do I crib or do I do this or do I do that? It's like, oh my gosh, there, especially the first baby, right? I mean, I'm, I guess I'm speaking from that perspective, that first baby of, you know, like, wow, you know, birthing into being a parent. It's so, it's big, it's huge. And it's, unex, it, there's unexpected things that show up. I think every mom or dad would say there's, you know, a way longer list of things that you didn't imagine prior to baby coming versus what you prepared for. And so, you know, there's that surface stuff. We feed them, we diaper them, we love them, we hold them, but then there's things happening under the surface for our baby. And I know like, um, we're going to get into attachment cycle and what that looks like. And, but can you speak a little bit into, you know, it's not just keeping them alive, right? It's not just meeting their basic needs, but there's also some deeper level stuff going on. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, there's all these tasks about caring for the baby, right? But then possibly more than ever before right now, parents are bombarded with information. And a lot of times it's contradictory information. So everything from feeding to sleeping to entertaining, I mean, the number of transformational programs, cures, you name it, um, is out there. But a lot of the very fundamental practices that are needed are really getting lost. And, and by these fundamentals, like you were saying, you know, below the surface, there's so much going on with the baby in the first year of life. And so these fundamentals is what the baby really needs to grow well and to develop as close to optimally as possible. So, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect baby. There's, there's no recipe to say, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, then my baby will do, you know, will grow to be an adult that does X, Y, and Z as well. Like mm -hmm. you can't get there, but there are things that we know now based on years of research and science and, you know, allowing our wonderful children to be guinea pigs in a, in a nice way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even us, you know, our generation, you and me, we were parented in one way. There were some thoughts behind mm -hmm. that. Our parents before us were parented in a different way. Um, sure. And so as, as we move forward and as we know more about the brain, about uh, child development, about how, you know, neurons work and how our brain is firing, these fundamentals really help us help our babies grow as optimally as possible so that they're socially, emotionally, cognitively, physically well. And mm -hmm. an attachment is a huge part of this. Um, and, and that's below the surface going the whole first year of life. This is what the baby is working on. The baby is working on sorting out this information about not only that they exist and that their caregiver exists, but they're organizing information about the world. And so attachment really is about that. It's, it's basically there's the evolu evolutionary theory of attachment, right? And this talks a little bit about how we're all pre-wired or, you know, pre-programmed a little uploaded program into our brains that, that we need to form attachments with others. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and this is below the surface with the baby during the first year. The obvious things that we might see, like I remember when my first baby was born, you know, my first son, you know, he learned to smile and he learned to grasp mm. my hand and he learned to feed. Like those are the things we see on a day-to-day -day basis. But below right. that, what we don't see and what, you know, we don't really might not know much about unless 
you know, it's your, your area of, of expertise or research is, is all those neurons firing, all the, the mirroring taking place and mm -hmm. all this development that's helping the baby sort and organize information about the world. And so that, that's, that's what this, the fundamentals here with this attachment piece that is going on. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Yeah, I talk to teachers. I work with teachers out here where I'm at. Um, and we have a whole workshop around working with kids exposed to trauma. And we talk about attachment, the attachment cycle and baby having a need, the need, you know, getting aroused yep. in the brain, in the body, having the need be met and baby coming back to relaxation and how that is a cycle that happens, you know, like, I don't know hundreds of times in a minute, it feels like sometimes. And through that continuous cycle, that sense of security, safety, the world is safe. I can depend on the adults in my life. 
I'm okay becomes developed. And it's when that's, that cycle becomes disrupted um, that it can change the, the lens that children then learn to develop over time when they don't feel safe, when they don't feel like there's a caregiver there. And I'm always really quick to say, you know, that doesn't mean that we have to get it right every time because how many new parents are like, ah, ah, okay, you're not hungry. I'll change your diaper. Oh, you're still crying. I'm, you, your diaper is dry. You know, I'll just hold you. And we're, but it's that effort towards looking to meet that need that's really helping with that continuous cycle and reinforcing the idea that I can depend on adults. Yeah. I can depend on the people in my life. Yeah. 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 And that's what I hear you speaking into as far as that organizing goes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because like you were saying, the parents, we cannot get it right every time. There is no way. No. Precisely because we are not our baby and our baby is not us. So it depends mm -hmm. on this dynamic and attuned process. So this, this word attunement is, is great because it's really like if you have a radio and it's full of static and you keep turning that dial ever so lightly and gently to figure out where you get the best sound, right? And finally mm -hmm. you have it clear. Then you're like, oh, okay, it doesn't bother my ears. It doesn't bother my brain. I, this is soothing, nice music. And it's a bit like that. As long as the baby has a sense that you are working on that dial then they mm -hmm. are already starting to feel soothed because that, mm -hmm. that dynamic of, okay, you know, I have a bellyache, but they're trying to like change my diaper and they're trying to feed me, but they're with me. Aha, somebody mm -hmm. cares. This already starts the soothing process. And then once the need is actually met, then the brain sort of does like, oh, green light, ding, 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 you win a prize. <laughs> <laughs> you get a smile. I might calm down. Yes. <laughs> I'll let you hold me without stiffening my body. Yes. And as long as the parent is willing to do that over and over again, then it's mm -hmm. fine. There's no need yeah. to get it right. I actually often say to parents, your job is not to get it right. Your job is to willing to try and try and try until you do. It's the minute you give up and say, I am not even going to bother. That is when you're mm -hmm. going to deal with trauma, neglect, and problems. And so really the, the dynamic, um, the dynamic nature of attachment is that, is that it's an interactive process. You need to read the cues and, and the baby's going to read your cues. And so there's this, this back and forth. It's, 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 it's not static. It's not baby cries. I give a binky and I walk away. It's baby cries. I look at the baby. I frown instinctively. Oh, you don't seem so well. And then the baby's like, ah, look at mommy's eyes. They're moving funny. Oh, I think she gets me. Ah, mm -hmm. right. So this is a, it's a really beautiful process if you get to observe like a, a baby and a child when it's not your own, because mm -hmm. it just gives you that insight of just how dynamic and subtle this attunement can be. Because sometimes it's really just like the, the smallest of looks is enough to settle that baby. And other times it's really like a big message like, why? This is not working yeah. and you're getting it all wrong. But even that, there's learning in that process because yep. the parent can learn to say, I got it wrong, but eventually my baby calmed. And this wires the parent's brain to say, I'm able. Even in the toughest of moments, I am able. And it wires mm -hmm. the baby to think, I am safe. I can trust this person because even though they couldn't figure it out, they didn't give up on me. Right. Oh, I almost, that almost gives me that little bitty feeling like, I 
want a baby again. Right? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> but just talking, just remembering, yeah, that moment. And I think it's Dan Siegel who talks about babies feeling felt. Yes. Right? Yes. Is he the one that talks about that? So that mirror, when we, you know, the difference between, uh, well, not the difference, but that, that, that moment when we're looking at them and even if it's just like, we have to draw, I know you hate the car seat. Oh, I know it baby. And, and we have to go to the store. So we're just, even though they're just babies, right? right. Flailing around, hating the car seat, but just that, that the mirroring that we're doing almost of their expression and, and they get that sense of feeling felt. And isn't that where we begin the process of teaching empathy? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This, this is, um, um, it wires the brain basically to to want to understand other people's brains. So um, mm. there's this this it's like mind it's this mind mindness basically. Mm -hmm. You have this ability to see that that human interaction isn't just about caring for yourself. I'm hungry, therefore I must be fed. But I'm hungry. Somebody understands that I am hungry, and so they can feed me. And then I am uncomfortable in my car seat. I don't want to do this. Now mom is frowning. She knows that I don't want to be in my car seat. Someday I will grow and be able to know, you know, my brother is hurt and I know what being hurt feels like. Mom gave me mm -hmm. a, a cold pack. I'm going to go get ice for my brother. And so yeah, it's, it's a whole wiring. And, and like we were talking about before, it organizes your brain to take these inputs and, you know, on a very chemical level to sort out these these feelings and inputs and then put them all into place. And like you said, it pre-wires for empathy, for working together, for cooperation, for later, you know, having a family dinner and being able to understand that, you know, different people speak at different times. It's, it's when this attachment process doesn't happen that you're going to end up with dysfunctional or, or, or slightly off behaviors that go, why this person just doesn't get it. <laughs> And so, yeah, and it's not that they can't, or it's not that they won't. It's that just la missing skill. Yes, it's it's absolutely that is the perfect word. It, it's a missing skill. It's a it's a misfiring basically that didn't take mm -hmm. place at a critical point. And yeah, and I say critical, but it's not in the sense like we talked before. If you make mistakes, then you've doomed your child because really this takes place in the first five years. And so it, it's critical in the sense that if we are attuned and willing to do this work, then you know, you have a good enough outcome or, op, you know, developmentally optimal outcome. Yeah. And I think that everything has its dark side, right? So like, I mean, I know for me, I read a lot about attachment parenting. I um, had the Dr. Sears baby book on the um, coffee table, loved him. And I think that, um, you know, there's extremes of everything, right? right. I mean, my first was in the sling on the boob like 80% of the day mm -hmm. co-slept um and I wonder I mean she's highly functioning almost 13 year old now um and I wonder what kinds of I wonder what the disservice was to her to be so so attentive because she was not she wouldn't go to anybody else um, and part of that, I think, is temperament as well. And I tried to just really understand her needs and meet her cues. But I also just didn't know how to not, like, I, I remember I couldn't figure out how to wean her. So I just didn't. 
<laughs> I didn't know how to get her into her own bed, so I just didn't. I just, per, you know, I just endured, even though I knew I wasn't sleeping well. And ultimately what happened is I had my second baby, and she just got the shaft and um, just had to live with it. And it all worked out in the end and was okay. And I, I'm sure there were plenty of moments there where I was trusting myself, trusting my gut, and trusting my daughter. I just wondered, too, about, like, how do we know, where is there, where is the balance? Okay, yeah, so balance is like a phenomenal word because yeah. a lot of what I talk to parents about fostering attachment is it's, you have to be like a really good tour guide, all right? If you, if you mm. think about that you've landed in, in a city that you have absolutely never been to before, but that is where you have to spend, you know, your next several weeks or whatever, the rest of your life. You need to have a willingness to work together with, with that tour guide because as, as the tour guide, a, a bad one will just decide this is what you have to see and this is where you have to eat. But, you know, for all you know, you have a food intolerance and that restaurant is no good for you. And now what? Like it's their mm -hmm. idea, not yours, and it, you're not going to like it. You'll instinctively reject it if it's not your idea. Right. Is this the tour? So who's the tour guide? The tour guide is the parent. Metaphor. The tour guide okay, is the good. parent. <laughs> Just checking. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> so so if, if the parent is going to be a really good tour guide, they're not going to just tell the child what to do, how to do, when to do, you know, follow mm -hmm. my, my schedule and everything that I've said, because then this poor baby is going to be like bouncing around and, and, and exhausted because it gets to make right. zero choices. Right. A good tour guide listens and responds, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're knowledgeable, you have the wisdom, but you also have the, the, the mind side, the ability to say, okay, you know, when I offer this, this is the response. It's positive, it's negative, it's working, it's not working. And so you have to have this willingness to work together. So if we bring it back to the idea of a parent and a child, the parent is going to be leading the way with the idea that the baby is dependent and vulnerable but also very capable mm -hmm. because dependency and vulnerability does not stripe away your capability. Oh, talk more about that. I love that. Dependence, dependent and vulnerable. It doesn't mean that you're not capable. It just means that you need some guidance and, mm -hmm. and somebody who's willing to show you the way and to facilitate. Mm -hmm. I, I love the word facilitate because, Me too. you know, you can talk about facilitating or scaffolding. You're doing the small steps, but you're always checking back in. You're crying. The baby's crying. You, you think the baby's hungry. You offer it something to eat. The baby doesn't want to eat. Well, you don't keep forcing the food, right? right? Your, your dynamic attuned response is to say, food isn't it, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. And so that is what is going to bring you to the idea of balance. When you're willing to do that, it's not, the book tells me that I should be co-sleeping, therefore we're going to be co-sleeping while the baby doesn't sleep very well and I wake up with a backache right. and things aren't going so good, but the book says that I really should be co-sleeping, then you're not listening to your needs and the baby's needs, you're going by just the book, which maybe the book works for 90% of I don't know, you know, you take 10 parents and nine parents say, okay, this is perfect. But if you are that right. one parent who says co-sleeping doesn't work for me, that's not going to make right. or break your attachment. Right. 
Well, and I and I'm also thinking about balance too between that dance of baby's needs versus parents' needs. But, and I think that's what you're talking about, you know, especially with the example of co-sleeping because I've, I've worked with tons of parents who just don't sleep well mm-hmm. with baby or toddler in the bed and other parents that that's, you know, the extreme of that where the parent kind of comes to me after parent class and says, you know, I've been co-sleeping and now my kid's 10 and I can't get them out of my bed. So I think that there's like a, a variety, there's a range and then it, I think we get, is it about how difficult it is for us as the parent to see our child in any kind of discomfort? Is that, that's the problem, right? Often, that's yes, it. because we know that they are vulnerable, but we forget that they're capable. So it's all right if they are feeling upset but we also need to remember that they're capable of overcoming that upset with our attuned response. I'm here for you. So, you don't like this. Yeah. And I will sit with you while you don't like it. And then you will mm-hmm. feel it, get over it, and move forward. Yeah. I know Jane Nelson talks a lot about that, too. She speaks into that as well. And, and about, you know, and, and it's funny, I got much deeper into this work once my older child was like three or four and I just was like, oh my gosh, the message I gave was the world is scary. Stay in the sling. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, clearly you can't go to sleep on your own. So just be, I'll just lay right here attached literally to you. Um, so how do we lean into their capabilities when it's, when we're also rubbing up against that instinct to just want to keep them from that discomfort. What do you tell parents? So, yeah, babies really are very capable. And a a Mm -hmm. lot what I see with parents and I work with parents is the idea of being respectful of that capability and, Mm -hmm. and really inviting it, inviting that capability to show up from the very beginning, you know, it, it comes with respecting when when they're when they're full, like when they've had enough to eat. Respecting when they show you that they're tired, um, changing their soiled diapers right away, but not in a startling way. You know, just imagine, you know, you're all warm and fuzzy in your bed, and somebody comes and yanks the covers off of you. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think that yes. most people would not say, hey, thanks so much for yanking the covers away. You know, most people would be like, yo, what are you doing? Hey, I was sleeping. Yeah. Are we talking about husbands right now? <laughs> or are we, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. It's annoying and startling. Right. And cold. And so, so often we think, you know, it's a baby. It can't talk. It can't, it can't do much. What's the point? I'll just decide everything for it. But really it's not an it. It's a baby. It's a being and it's so capable and it's worthy of our respect and our attention. And so we invite the baby to participate in every aspect of its own care because really that's what it's going to grow into so it's we don't demand that they be independent we don't mm-hmm. make them become dependent we foster interdependence yeah love that we help them we we've again going back to the tour guide we pave the way we can be dynamic and, and attentive pay attention to their needs but the whole time with the idea that they are that our babies are respectful and capable of participating they are, they are active in their own lives 
And so mm. we, we foster that sense. And of course, we're not going to always get it right, but it really just starts even when a, a little newborn baby gazes at, at the mom's face while it's breastfeeding and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. puts the hand on the breast or puts the hand on the hand if the mom's bottle feeding. And, and you engage in that. You don't ignore it or chat with somebody else and shout, hey, I'll have some pizza for takeout. Like, yeah, sure, that can happen because it's, you know, tiring and stressful. But if you just pause enough to really gaze back at that gaze, Right. And then when they're mm. three months old and they're smiling at you, you smile back. You don't look at your phone. <laughs> it's so tempting. But it's not a matter of doing it 100 percent of the time. Perfect. It's about being mindful yeah. enough to say, OK, my baby is smiling at me and I'm going to take this opportunity to just smile back. And my baby's learning to coo and I'm going to coo back. And all these interactions, they wire for attachment and they wire for well-being and they wire for capability. Nice. So I was um, thinking about, when I was thinking about this interview with you, Ariadne, you wise, wise woman, I was thinking about just, you know, some of the stuff, the crazy stuff that shows up, that showed up when I was, when I had babies and everybody wants to tell you, you know, what they think. And, you know, that idea around, you know, you don't want to spoil the baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I Googled that to see, like, what is the, what is kind of the popular belief around that and um, came to this um, article from Parents Magazine, which sometimes I get excited about Parents Magazine and sometimes I don't. But um, I thought this was a really interesting article. And what the author talks about is really there's meeting the infant's well, something that's spoken into is meeting during the first six months, it's impossible to spoil a baby. You know, really, we're just meeting their needs, meeting their needs, meeting their needs, fed, held, changed, comforted, all that good stuff. And then in the second, you know, beyond that six month mark, you know, that's when we can, um, we can start to kind of you know, uh, developmentally appropriately set some boundaries and, um, you know, and I really want to emphasize developmentally appropriately set boundaries because we're talking about like a six month old. Um, but like, is, would you say that like six months is a turning point as far as, you know, if you're going to think about transitioning to a crib or if you're going to think about just kind of allowing, you know, a slightly longer bits of discomfort for baby. Is there a magical, is that like a magical number, that six month number? Or what do you find in your studies? So does that make sense? Yes, that it, I I like your question. Um, what I'll, what I'll preface this is that I'm a big believer in, in understanding that babies are unique, not in the sense that we should spoil and say, you are the best, most special baby in this whole wide world, and I will give you everything you want, end of story, but unique mm-hmm. in the sense that we have charts and guides to tell us when milestones and what, but still, every individual baby, based on their attachment story, on their parents' attachment story, on their genetics, on their temperament, they will develop when they are ready. So you can have even babies from the same family who are vastly different from one another. Um, I often tell the parents that I work with how lucky I feel to have had had 
three children with three very different personalities because it's very easy for a parent to believe, you know, my kids did it this way, so yours can too. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And the reality is, is that each child will really develop at their pace. Sure, there is a curve that we can follow for, you know, safety to make sure certain things need to happen in a, in, in a spectrum or like on a, on a, on a certain line in a, in a fashion. But really, you're going to have some variance. So you might have a baby who at six months old is perfectly able to tolerate a little bit more frustration then a baby who at eight months can absolutely not take the frustration whatsoever. And this can be because their attachment story is different or because the, the way that they were responded to was just different. There might have been a, 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 an incidence that wired them in such a way that to them to be alone at eight months is way scarier and way more horrible than for a baby at six months. So... You know, do you let a baby cry themselves to sleep so that they don't get spoiled? Like this article that you were referencing suggests, mm -hmm. this is something that the parent really is best to understanding their baby, where their baby is at, making a decision based on what does mom need? What does dad need? What does baby need? What are they able to do? Going back to that dynamic attuned response. So I'm not giving, yeah. I'm not really giving you like a sure six months is the ideal age because I don't believe that that's possible. It's more of a, you know, yes, between six and eight months, you know, babies are, are getting into the realm of language and, and, and social milestones. So you can have like this 
you know, a bit of an exchange with them and they seem so much more capable, but that's a bit of a trap because, Mm -hmm. because at six to eight months old, their brains are very, very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to this attachment story. And so being attuned at this age is very important. Oh man. And I have to say, I did not, I just kind of skimmed this article and really liked the first half and did not realize that at the end, he's saying, if you already have tried every sleep inducing nightly ritual, it crying it out might be the only way. Ew. Yeah. All I can say about that is ew. Um, however, there's lots of other ways to support healthy sleep. And actually Alana McGinn was on the podcast not too long ago talking about some of those ways. So we don't have to get too much into that, but You know, I think that too, I know for me, trusting my gut was such a big piece of it. Um, But also, I'm totally going off script here, but also it was, you know, all we really have going into it is what was modeled for us. And I heard you say, you know, it's not just the baby's attachment story, but it's also the parent's attachment story. So if I'm a parent who's, who didn't receive the gift of feeling felt, Mm -hmm as a small child, it's not necessarily, it, it may not be in my repertoire when I end up having my own children. Um, so I really appreciate that there are resources like what you do and the organization that you work for. And I know that there's resources all over the world for parents. And, you know, I just think it's so great when we're willing to keep learning, when we're willing to say, I don't know everything. There is more to learn. And I'm excited to get better at showing up for my babies and my toddlers and my schoolagers and my teenagers because there's so much to learn in relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Not only from them, but you know, from people that really spend a lot of time studying the nuances of the brain and, and how we develop and what's happening under the surface. I'm so appreciative of that. Um, so as we kind of come to a close in this conversation, Ariadne, thank you so much, first of all, for everything. Um, what are your words of wisdom for parents out there? Because I know that most of the time we talk about, especially new parents, the conversation is generally about how amazing it is, right? How amazing our babies are, how amazing it is to finally get to be a parent. And there isn't a lot of conversation about the fact that there are really tough times. You know, for me, they showed up in the middle of the night when I couldn't lay down because my babies wouldn't be soothed. <laughs> and I felt like I was the only person awake in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we don't really talk very much about those times where it's like, why did I think this was a good idea? So for those moments, right, for those really tough days, um, tough periods of time, you know, when that first cold or that first, the first time your your baby gets an earache, you know, what are some words of wisdom that you can leave the listeners with just to help them get through that, that period and to remember that there's another side? Well, the, the big thing I can say, you know, I relate so much to what you just said, because it, the first years, they, they really are so special, but special in the sense that there's really a lot of wonderfulness and joy. But boy, there are so many challenging moments when you really think like, who thought it was a good idea to have one of these, right? <laughs> yeah, put it back. But 
but I can I can honestly say that that it's hard because if you also really enjoy being a mom in those first years, mm-hmm. a lot of parents will look at you like I don't know what planet you are on or you got like a special baby because it's not that easy. And so mm-hmm. I I want to say that really it's okay to feel whatever you need to feel about those early days because mm-hmm. I remember loving being like a mom to a, to to a baby every every single time like I've had three. So that first year with each of the three babies was truly for me such a happy time like i really enjoyed it i'm not saying that there weren't crazy difficult times but i generally mm-hmm. felt happy about it but i had nobody to say that to because mm-hmm. if i kind of mentioned oh it's so nice to have a newborn baby you know i i just remember these other moms with newborn babies sort of looking at me like you're crazy it's so tough it's just so awful and bickering about it was so much nicer because then somebody gets how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But then I have heard from, you know, moms who come to the groups that, that I'm so fortunate and privileged to facilitate that they'll say how much they really do love it. And they feel alone that they can't share that, that wonderfulness of being a mom with. And so I like to take not one side or the other, but to say, it's okay to feel whatever you need to feel about those days. Because yeah. if you love it, that's wonderful. And if you're having a hard time, that's fine too. And if you kind of balance between the two, that's so normal. Like today, I love being a mom. And in that very second that you feel that, your baby sort of spits up on you and dinner starts to burn and the doorbell rings and the dog is barking. And you're like, right, it wasn't a good idea to have one of these. That's okay too. Um, yeah. And not only is it okay to, to feel whatever it is that you need to feel about that, it's really important to find somebody who's willing to listen. Mm-hmm. If it's a support group or if it's your spouse or if your spouse and you are having a hard time finding somebody that will help you or partner spouse or, you know, whoever is helping you raise the baby. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really good if you have a support circle so that you can, so that you are better prepared to respond dynamically and attuned. And so that when you can't, you feel comfortable passing the torch on and saying, right now I need a break and somebody else needs to be responsive and, and, and attuned to baby. And that is okay too. Yeah. And time moves on. Even when it feels like you're trapped in a time warp and it's the middle of the night and it's really dark and alone, time marches on. I can't believe that I have a 10 and a nearly 13 year old. And how old are your kids, Ariadne? Um, about the same, my, my oldest is uh, soon to be 10. And then I have a seven year old and a five year old. So yeah, it does. Yeah. So they're babies for a while and then they get to be toddlers. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, just every little era has its own special flavor, doesn't it? Yes. It's a bit cheesy to say, you know, that it flies by and stuff. And in a sense, it really does. But in a, in a very realistic sense, that first year with baby is, is incredibly slow. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> you don't think it's, you're ever going to, I was just saying to my husband, we were out to eat with the kids and I was looking around, there was a couple different families with really young kids. And I said, you know, daddy and I used to, we used to take you guys out to dinner when you were really little and we would look around at the families with, you know, teenagers or preteens and we'd think, oh my gosh, it'll be so crazy one day to be sitting down with our huge kids right? like that. Like now we have the and tall we, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Now we are those families. It's wild. So yeah, it's all good. All of it. It's just 
It's such a fun adventure. And thank you so much, Ariadne, for coming back on the show and talking more with me. And I love just this whole topic of babies and attachment and brain development. So I so, so appreciate the time that you've taken. Now, Ariadne's on the other side of the world from me. So it's like coming on 10 o'clock over there where you are, right? Yep, correct. But that's- Remind me where you are. Are you in Switzerland? I am in Switzerland. Uh, oh my gosh. Are you in, are you in the Alps in like a small little chateau? No, so, so I do <laughs> believe it or not. I can see the Alps every day. It's absolutely oh breathtakingly gosh. gorgeous. And we, oh. we do live in a very sort of quaintish area today. My children got to see little baby lambs. Oh my gosh. I've seen pictures of your children on like small little mountain yes. paths. Yes. And I'm like, are you singing? The hills are alive with sound of music right now because that's all I'm hearing when I look at these pictures. Okay, but we do also have shopping malls and cars. And, okay, okay, okay. And television and, you know, so we do the, we have a bit of a mix of city and mountain living. So it's a really beautiful awesome. mix. So That sounds amazing. So remind everybody who isn't already following you, where are the places that um, parents can follow your work and um, stay in touch with you. So uh, my website is the Positive Parenting Connection, which is positiveparentingconnection.net. Um, and then on Facebook, you can find the community page, which is facebook.com slash positiveparentingconnection. And I'm also on Twitter by my name, Ariadne Brill. The handle is positive underscore parent. And I'm on Pinterest too, but I'm not sure how to, how that would be I'll put found. a link. So yeah. I'll put a link to your Pinterest page. I'll put a link to all of your pages as well. So you, listeners just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just head to the show notes and you'll see um, all the different ways that you can get in touch with Ariadne. Thank you so much. Thank you, Casey. It was a pleasure. So love having you on the show. Can't wait for next time. Thank you. So much awesome information in that interview. What a what an honor it is to share space with Ariadne Brill. She just brings so much wisdom to the parenting journey. I am thrilled that she came back on the show. Um, everything that we discussed, all the links um, will be in the show notes. So check that out. Thank you so much for continuing to tune in. I really, 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 really appreciate each and every one of you and your feedback and your comments and all the emails and Facebook messages that I get. It's just an honor to get to share this with you. Yay. Um, on that note, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already have an app on your phone, and aren't already getting automatically the new episodes, then um, go to your, your app store and find a podcasting app and download it to your phone. And then once you've done that, just search for the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I am on iTunes. And once you have subscribed, you get to automatically get all the new shows that I'm creating. So really fun and easy. So do that. Um, as always, I love, love, love your feedback. So if you want to hit me up, um, 
and write an iTunes review. That would be great. You can head on over to the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group page. Ask to join. I will accept. You can be part of the discussion there. Or you are always welcome to email me at casey at joyfulcourage.com. Um, check out the website, www.joyfulcourage.com. I've got a bunch of offers there, um, a calendar with live events as well as online offers. So I have e-courses, um, and I have a blog. I also offer one-on-one coaching. The last podcast episode was a little flavor, a little taste of that with, um, Stephanie, So yeah, think about it. Think about if you'd like um, to work at a whole nother level with me because I am available. I'm for hire. Um, And I'm looking forward to the next podcast episode. I actually have another bonus coming out later this week. I had the privilege of um, speaking to Allison Soraki from the Carry the Future organization. And I figure it would be good to couple that episode with this one because we're talking about baby carriers and specifically what Carry the Future is doing for refugee families that are showing up on the shores of Greece. And it was a fabulous interview, so fun and enlightening and emotional. And I just think they're an amazing organization. So stay tuned later this week. That will be going live. All right, my friends, thank you so much again for listening in. And I hope that each and every one of you has an easy, breezy, beautiful day with your families. Get a little self-care, drink lots of water, take care of yourself so you can show up well for your families. Big, huge love from me. Bye. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.